Welcome back to this week's episode of Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. I'm DJ. And today we're going to talk about something that I have dramatically less experience in as the man sitting across from me. But I'm getting the hang of a little bit. I'm getting there better. We're going to be talking about different variations of D&D. Some stories, what we got going on, stuff we've played together, stuff other people have played, all the good stuff. It's going to just be a giant role-playing omnibus, but D&D is the easiest thing to couch that in, because that's the one everyone knows. Yeah, which is weird. When you guys were uh, first introduced me to Cthulhu, you were like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a D&D type game, because that's the way you explain it, and then I expected what everyone expects. You know, the very typical dragons and cave and, oh, I have to talk like a little Irish gnome, and like <laughs> that's what you expect, because that's what movies show up. Like, when... When in pop culture have you seen an example of a role-playing tabletop that wasn't the traditional D&D? Yeah, you pretty much don't see that. Like, yeah. Or it'll be like some D&D with the serial numbers filed off sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and they don't like call it what it is. Which is fine, but it made me like... What, what would you call it? The genre of game? Mm. Right? Is that what you call it? It made me like the genre I'd of game. I'd say more like a medium of game. Yeah, like, yeah there we go. Because there's like, like 6,000 genres. Movies are a medium, but they have tons of genres within them. Yeah. Tabletop gaming is a medium, but there's a lot of different... D&D is just a genre of that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I've i played... Okay, so here's my history with it before we start getting into the fun stories. Because I'm going to want to talk some of the stories we've done, and then I want to hear... I want you to tell the Kanye story, but then also some okay. other good stuff. But, the Kanye story is a good one. Yeah, so I've tried it. My, my history was I'd never played it before. I had a few friends who did, and they were like, you should check it out. Oh, yeah, I totally will. And it just never happened. Because it's a freaking commitment from day one. So, Well, that, that that's also an interesting thing. Did you uh, read the Rick and Morty comic? No, shit. I forgot about that. Mother <laughs> I did. Okay, you did read it. So it's Rick and Morty versus D&D. Uh, yes. It's written by Patrick Rothfuss, who, okay. if you don't know who he is, he's like... Uh, I'd say, like, so he's a pretty big fantasy author, but he's not, like, George R. R. Martin levels of name recognition. Who's C. C author? What does that mean? Uh, like, so A-list would be someone everyone oh, knows, even oh, if you're okay. not into, like, fantasy, like, George R. R. Martin or yeah. Tolkien or something like that. And then there's, like, the B tier, which is, like, if you're just getting into it, these are names you're probably going to hear, which are, like, uh, Robert Jordan or okay. um, Terry Pratchett. Okay. And then the C tier is like you. These are generally like really well respected authors. That if you're into fantasy writing, you probably know some of their books and have probably read some. But if you're not, then you have no idea who these people are. That's where you find like Patrick Rothfuss, Brandon Sanderson, uh, Terry Brooks, authors like that. Okay, Mel Mel Brooks's nephew. No, <laughs> allegedly. That yeah, I don't know that name at all, but. So, very first time I, I I played was with... Have you met Logan yet? I've talked about him a lot, but I don't know if you... No. Jake has met him for the reason I'm about to say, but yeah, I don't. I didn't think you had met him yet. <laughs> I met him at the Pipeline class. He's a good guy, and he played before, so he bought a new book, bought a bunch of cool shit, like, bought these really big, nice um, dry erase boards to make the scenes on, you know, Craig draws it all out. Uh-huh. Did all that cool stuff, and we tried, we ran a session at my house, and... I think the issue that went wrong right from the get-go, and we've talked about this at work a lot, 
is when someone doesn't so you don't you don't take these games seriously but you do like there's a level of you have to want to play the game that's the serious level but when you're in the world you get to be whatever level of whimsy is dictated by your dm your group all that right and that's usually something that everyone has to kind of like silently agree on that's yeah. like an unwritten rule that everyone yeah. has to be there for the same reason which we've that's something better. that people don't figure out every uh right away yeah that's why i actually brought up the rick and morty comics because the whole uh plot of that it's a four issue series yeah. and the whole plot of it is that uh Morty has like no idea what D and D is because he's been away on adventures with Rick all the time. Yeah. So, but it's getting popular, which it is. No, yeah, that's very especially. It's, it's actually more popular now than it was in the seventies when it uh, launched. So, like normal. How oh, that sounds rude to say, but like your average Joe might actually play D and D, whereas before you could you could pick him out of a lineup. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like Morty's going around to school, and like everyone's playing it, and there's like posters up on like the cork boards like it's kind of like one of those recruiting uh, for campaigns yeah it's kind of like one of those south park stories where they make the whole episode about something that's getting popular but they kind of over glorify it they make it so it's the most popular thing in the world yeah okay i'm with you but uh so morty wants to get into it and like the whole like first two maybe two and a half issues Mm -hmm. the story arc is Morty is just overwhelmed by all this shit. Like, like well, he, he gets confusing. he like he gets a book and he opens it up and it's there's like tables and yeah. And he's like, um, I I don't I don't know any of this. Um, and then it's like, well, then where do you, how how do you get into like a group? It, it's like an exclusive club that you have to get an invite to. And straight up, that's what it is. And like, uh, you know, at work we have our forums. There, I've seen posts on there. It's like, hey, we're looking for one extra. And then it lists the criteria to be that extra. It's not just like, hey, whoever you are, come sit with us. It's like, okay, we play like this. This is what we want you to do. This is kind of our times where it's all, we always do this, kind of like ours. We always do dinner beforehand, chit-chat a little bit, and slowly, whatever. There's like a breakdown of, of like, how the group feels about it. That's all very stuff that's very good to, to, to hammer out. But if you're just a new person coming into this, that can be overwhelming. Like, like my first session of Cthulhu was... Ugh. Oh, okay, so let me finish that. So yeah, um, the problem with that session where we tried it our first time was we had our good our good buddy Chance on. You know Chance, or at least have heard the fabled stories of how ridiculous he is. Mm-hmm. And him and Tommy, Tommy was my best friend, uh, they wanted it to be almost more simple and straightforward they wanted it to be like playing just mortal Kombat and button mashing a to kill the monsters around you okay whereas it's more i mean it's puzzles and you chit chat and you roll decks just to see if you can jump this and you roll luck just to see if you even notice that yada yada you know all the little intricacies they're like no i'm gonna punch this guy and logan was like uh, no <laughs> i mean i can't stop you from doing that but that's not at all what this is about. So we, we there's a there's where. a term for that. What is that? It's called the murder hobo campaign. Okay. Where everyone like so you're an adventurer, so yeah. you know the whole idea is that you're traveling around and solving quests and fighting crime or whatnot. Yeah. But sometimes people just like, oh, is, is there a thing there? Okay, I'm gonna fight it. I've got all these stats for fighting. Yeah. I made a character. I did put so much time into making sure he was good at fighting. Yeah. 
I'm going to fight. Maybe something, I'm going to fight it. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. And Logan, obviously, beforehand, we had talked about what we wanted to do. I was like, I, I don't know. You, you, I want to explore. I want you to set it up. So it turned into just fighting every person we saw. And Logan got creative a few times to skirt the fight away. But eventually, we had no choice but to fight. And we ended up fighting the strongest thing there in Team White. And it was mm-hmm. like, well, that's... And none of us were really having a good time. T- they thought it was hilarious because they were just fighting. They were obviously the first two to die. They thought it was funny. And then we were like, we don't... It was our first time, so we didn't... We couldn't get creative and be like, well, I'm going to do this instead to escape, yada, yada. I was just like, I guess I'll fight. And I just roll my die and see what happens. It was weird, man. It turned me off. It, it sounds like at not every... Like, the DM wanted one thing. Two players at the table wanted another thing. And nobody really had, like, a clear purpose of yeah. what they're... Because, like, you know... Some people do like a murder hobo campaign yeah. where it's just like, okay, this week the DM went through the monster manual, found something that he thinks would be cool to fight, and set up a fight for we you. Put him in there. And like, it's basically great. just fight night. And yeah. you, you get some popcorn and chips and you throw back a few beers. You don't have to think too hard about it. That That's fine. And yeah. If everyone at the table wants to play that way, yeah. then it's great. But it sounds like that wasn't what was happening. No, not at all. It was a disaster. So... We ended up like calling it quits early. It was it ran late, and we were just like, "All right, screw it. We'll figure this out next time." And Logan wanted to keep going. I had fun trying to figure. So, like for example, we walked into a town, and instead of going into the open door, we turned went to another building. That's pretty classic, you know. Yep. Like yep. there's all the memes around of DM sets up this path, group goes this way. There's lots of that. Oh yeah. Craig's even said we do it to him all the time, like how we solved the last Cthulhu uh, puzzle, and. Uh, Instead, we go to the locked door. So we had some fun stuff, uh, breaking in, rolling, you know, decks to climb up, yada, yada, and all that. That was pretty good. And then it just immediately went downhill. But then I started Cthulhu with you guys, and like you're saying, that was my first real introduction where everyone knew what they were doing. Everyone had a more or less a vibe to what they were going for, minus Jimmy. And and, <laughs> and, and, you, and it was step by step, you know? Okay, so this is why we're making you roll this, or... The entire group's doing this. What do you want to do? You can pick anything you want. Like, it was very uh, laid out so that I wasn't just going, I guess I'll do this. I was like, oh, you mean I can do this? And I would try something. <laughs> yeah, you're you're here to accomplish a task, and you roll dice to do it. You're not just here to roll dice. Exactly. And then we played Masks, and now we're back to Cthulhu. And so I've been playing with you guys for... A uh, year. But ironically, uh, never actually just D&D. No, no, it's never just D&D. But, I, I, but there's talks of that being potentially the next or the one after that. So mm. it's coming. But so, yeah, I've only been playing like a year. How Have you been playing since like college? Uh, earlier than that. High school? Uh, I think middle school, actually. Jesus Christ. I guess it had, Well, yeah, we know it's been around forever, but I didn't know you'd been playing that long. Mm-hmm. I... Actually started when my uncle gave me a bunch of his first and second edition books, okay. which I have written. By the way, don't start there because <laughs> Gary Gygax, the the father of D anD D, yeah, is a very purple prosy writer, and he's also a math nerd. Okay, so you're going to get some of the most like over descriptive stuff followed by tons of math. It's going to immediately drive you away. So, like, if you want to do this, you have to figure out this plus this minus, like, whatever your stats are, yada, 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 plus the time, and then boom. Yeah, the rules were a lot less, like, simple and streamlined back in the day. Um, So, and there were a lot of, like, very arbitrary restrictions that were put on you in first edition because Gary Gygax came from a background of, like, 
historical uh, tabletop uh, war games. Which oh, are... historically accurate. So you would uh, had a 60% chance of raping the nearest woman to you. <laughs> Not yeah. like H- Fatal. Historically accurate. <laughs> Not like Fatal. But, like, no, they had, like, tabletop war, like, miniatures war games. And he liked more, like, medieval uh, historical stuff where it was, it's more, like, gritty and realistic. Yeah. Uh, less Tolkien, more Game of Thrones, that sort of deal. Okay. Uh, so the story goes that he basically begrudgingly put in the, like, elves and dwarves and gnomes. Oh, because, it was just going to be, like, nice. Like, he brought it to his friends, and they're like, yeah, but we've been reading Tolkien, and... <laughs> uh, so it was less just, like... We want to be elves, and he's like... Okay, fine. You can be elves, but you cap at level eleven, unlike oh, humans, which can go to level twenty. So fuck you. So he he drove you to play what he wanted the game to be. Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Well, I mean that makes sense. I mean, like there there was the basic D and D starter where elf was a was a class, not a race, and okay. it was basically just a shitty wizard. Okay. But if you wanted to be a wizard, you got to be human. And they're the good wizards. Can you be, while we're talking about classes and all that, can you be any different classes in uh, Cthulhu? You're, you're a human always. It's just uh, that's your get, profession. That's your profession is what counts as your class. Yes. Okay, so that's that's kind of like where the two different sides you just said. There's many different styles of simple versus complicated. I wouldn't say Cthulhu is like crazy complicated, but when you compare it to masks, masks is... Like nothing? It's like nothing, yeah. I mean, sure, there's the occasional power you don't understand, but it's pretty basic. You have five conditions that count as your your, your health or whatever, and you create your character basically to be whatever you want it to be. What was it? So in Cthulhu, you you went you roll a percentile out of 100. I Mask was just yep. five to seven was a pat. No. Yeah, it's 2D, 2D6, like yeah. Monopoly. Yeah, just you roll out of 12. 10 to 12 was like an extreme. 9 to 7 was a pass. And anything under that was a fail. Yep. And a crit fail. I mean, wasn't one, like, technically... Or it's not a crit in masks? Uh... I can't remember now. It was basically up to the, uh... The DM. The DM's discretion. Or, or sorry, DM's dungeon master. So in this case, it would be GM, the, the game master. There, there's different terms for it. Like, a lot of different games have different in-house terms. They'll so, call it what they uh, want. Call of Cthulhu, it's the keeper, but I don't think any ah. of us have ever referred to him as the keeper. I'm gonna start, though. I didn't know um, that's what it was called. It's great. I would love to call Craig the keeper on the regular. <laughs> but, so yeah, so you go from Cthulhu, which has, you know... Strength, dex, constitution, luck, intelligence, uh, education, all that good stuff. And then you have your credit rating, and then you have your Cthulhu missiles, and you have your sanity. Tons of skills. But then you go to your weapon, and you have all these that you have to choose. Then you have your profession, and there's, what, 40 different things, all of which could come into play or be completely useless, as I found, with half of my skills. <laughs> uh, especially in this session, like how none of us have ride. Call of Cthulhu's skill system is not great because there's too many skills and too few points. Yeah. And basically, you're either forced to specialize in a narrow few, in which case, if something outside your purview is called for, you're basically just doomed to fail. Yeah. Or, uh,. Or spread it around very much to the point where you basically have a coin flip of actually managing to do anything successfully. Yeah. But systems are designed to evoke different feels. In Call of Cthulhu, it's not a power fantasy. You're not supposed to be winning. You have, you're, in fact, barely supposed to be fighting. Yeah. So Chances are you won't make it through the entire session with only one character. The idea is when you succeed, it's exciting because most of the time you're going to fail. Yes. 
Whereas masks was the exact opposite. It was very hard to fail at masks, but in a good way, because you were telling this awesome full story. I mean, you were telling this incredible, like, good guy prevails story, and that's Right, the and failures would be framed in masks more as, like, a dramatic setback than anything you did yeah. wrong. Like, you know, Matt Murdock's uh, special, or, I mean, his uh, identity being exposed, like... He still went and kicked Kingpin's ass, but that moment was like a down point. Yeah, like, failing in masks is like the moment where, uh-oh, Lex Luthor was hiding a kryptonite vest under his suit. And... Yeah, I went to punch him and it did nothing. Yeah. So, it was, so that one was really fun. And then, but in the inverse, coming back to Cthulhu made me appreciate, like, the difficulty so much more. Hmm. Like, going in at first, I was like, fuck, I can't do anything. Especially because I picked, as we learned at the end of the session when Craig made it very apparent... I picked melee weapons, which in masks, or which in Cthulhu is like, no, get a gun. Specialize in a gun if you want to win. And I was like, so every time we went to fight anything, I mostly ran away or got injured while fighting something, like, nonstop. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so you go from masks where it's just simple roles and you're talking your way through story. Like, I really like the ability that uh, Jason used. Was it Moment of Truth? Like, that's a really cool add-on. You got, It's just a conversation with the table telling them what's happened. That's, like, your power. Versus in Cthulhu, you don't get that. No. You don't get to pick what happens in Cthulhu. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Cthulhu is meant to be oppressive, so. I liked it a lot. But D&D may be coming up next. And D&D is kind of somewhere in the middle of the two, I'd say. Which, what, so I'm assuming you've been playing D&D the longest, but like, which, um, what other types have you played? Like, so those three, I know those three off the top of my head. Have you played anything outside of those? Yeah, there's a few other systems we've dabbled in. One of the big ones that would probably have, I would probably have stories about today uh, is Exalted, which is a system by White Wolf. I feel like I've heard you guys say that word, but I don't I, By the I way, know. the DM in that's called the Storyteller. Eh, that's pretty fun. That's all um, right. Not as good as Keeper, but I like it. So White Wolf is the company that makes, like, Vampire the Masquerade, um, okay. which... We we did a module for once, but we never got into that. Oh, so is that never, is that what a vampire larping? Called? Is that what a session? No, a module is like a pre-crafted adventure. Like some oh, uh, someone okay. like officially wrote and it was published by like the actual makers of the game. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. All right, yeah, learning those, those exist. Those exist for pretty much all systems. Cthulhu has them too. Um, okay. That would be fun to find sometime. Like, if yeah. I ever wanted to dabble in DMing, uh, that would be kind of It's cool. a very easy way to start if you want to get into DMing. I yeah. wholeheartedly recommend a pre-built adventure if you... Yeah. if you Because it, it saves you a lot of work. Well, yeah, Craig puts in a fuck ton amount of time sometimes planning out these stories, so... Mm-hmm. And it gives you an idea of the kind of things you might want to have if you were planning an adventure of your own. Yeah, yeah. I might actually. Ooh, now that and it's not. Uh, it's also not set in stone either. The DM's word is absolute on anything, in any system, really. Um, so if there's a rule you don't like, throw it out, or you can change yeah. how it works, or whatever. And it's the same if you're running a module. If there's an encounter you think is too easy or too hard, you can change it. Mm-hmm. If the party goes off script, you can improvise. Yeah. That's all. That's <laughs> the best thing about tabletop that it has over video games. Mm-hmm. Is that it's it's perfectly reactive. Yeah. If you have a good DM and good players, the experience is perfectly tailored to exactly what you want to do. Well, I mean, shit. Craig said so himself. Like the almost the entirety of Masks was freeform. He's like, you guys are doing shit that I don't know how to. Re- KG Bear is the perfect example. He's like, you're doing <laughs> stuff that I don't or no. Actually, 
all of Jimmy's character and heroes. Um, Yakov Smirnov's ability to turn anything into anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, like that, he's like, he's like, you're doing stuff that, how could I plan that out in general? I have to just kind of roll with you here. Yeah, uh, the, <laughs> I guess this would be a quick one. The, the story is that Jimmy made, like, Russian Captain America as his hero. Yeah, what was his name? Uh, Ivan the Giant? Uh, the Ivan Giant. The Ivan Giant, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> He formed a super team. Well, of, we, well, we all had teams. Yours were the uh, gang, right? You had uh, I had. I was basically just the liaison to the junior super crew. I, I right. didn't. I didn't recruit the gang. Okay, so I don't remember. I think the gang was just kind of around. I think the gang existed for Craig. Uh, Jake had the mystery men, which was exactly that. Oh, today at work, I, I, I remembered it. I screamed at. Oh God, now I'm gonna miss it. The name of the guy who throws the silverware. Oh, like I screamed it in the chat, and, po- and now I can't freaking. Oh, uh, no. Uh, it'll come back to me, and if I remember it, I'll yell it out, but, or maybe I'll Google yep. it. But anyways, he had the Mystery Men, which was them. I had the Cenobites from Hellraiser, specifically because of the type of character I was. But they were hackers. Yeah, they were, <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, they were hacker sex demons. Yep. And uh, Jimmy had the Hand of Stalin. Uh When did, that was the Which second. was like the Russian Justice League. Yeah. But they were all just like Russian caricatures or famous <laughs> Russian people. You had KG Bear. Who was just a bear with, who had been like. He had all the intelligence of the KGB. Yeah, he was programmed with the intelligence of like the entire database of the KGB. So he knows like, he has like all of the spy training. He's a bear super spy. We we used him for mostly espionage. We're like, okay, you dressed up like a sex. He was amazing at it. (laughs) We always passed. Like every time he just rolled really well. (laughs) He had, uh, uh, Karl Marx and uh, what was the other one? Karl Marx, Karl Marx and Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. Not Russian, <laughs> yeah. but it's just there because his last name is Marx. Yeah, which we didn't give them superpowers ever. You had uh, I can't remember number four, and then you had Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, and Yakov Smirnov's power was that was to <laughs> reality the, uh, distortion, the Soviet flip. Yeah. If he uh, if he says that in Soviet Russia something else happens, yeah. that becomes reality so yeah. if in soviet russia a car drives you yeah then suddenly cars are driving you yeah. it's, it's You're a, a world warping a power <laughs> yeah. one of the most powerful ones and it actually saved us uh in the one scenario where we were in the prison that's how we got our crews the se- after the after the second session we co- successfully did the prison break and we got all our teams the one use of uh yakov smirnov's power i remember is when you were uh searching for uh classified documents oh, yeah. and he's just like in Soviet Russia, classified documents find you, and they just come flying out of the <laughs> yeah, filing cabinet. They, be, they became a person. They became a person and walked with you. Oh yeah, you had a you had a paper golem. Yeah, because yeah, if he ever used it for something else, the paper golem went away. So we we specifically were like, no, no, no. <laughs> which is what I found of Cthulhu is the best, as we're telling, or not Cthulhu of uh, tabletop in general. Which as we, we tell more stories and you tell more stories, it'll become apparent. In the moment, it is fun. In the moment, you're telling fun stories, but you're kind of. You're piecing together a puzzle in the session. Immediately after the session, the, oh, when this happened and there's finally a full story, that's the best part, man. That's the greatest part of the whole thing. It's so much fun to recap freaking the session. Mm-hmm. I love it. Anyways, anyways, that was his That was, that was was his superhero team. They were great. They were really great. I think Craig got a little annoyed with mine and Jimmy's obsession with KG Bear a little bit. 
but it worked out well. We never really broke the system. It played. It got to the point where we, the joke is that Jimmy was playing as KJ Bear and his hero was just off to the side. <laughs> yeah, his, care, his hero had become the NPC. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. Uh, okay, anyways, you were telling me about Exalt. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, Exalted, the idea is that it's, uh, it's, it's a weird fantasy world which borrows a lot from like uh age of mythology sort of deals okay um and you play as demigods like hercules type yes okay okay and do you like depending on there there's different like types of exalts depending on what you're playing as depends on basically like which mythology it kind of mirrors and like the main one like if you get the core exalted book and consequentially the one we played the most is the solar exalted which are basically built Hank off azaria of... i had to google it because uh, i was go. getting so sick a poo yeah continue I, yeah i told you he's the guy from the simpsons but anyway you uh, yeah if you're a solar exalted you're basically like a greek style tragic hero okay do you get to pick like um as a demigod like who your father is it's there's a specific lore as to how he, all of the demigods are created. Okay, so you just pick the demigod. You don't actually and create one quite so much. You do create one. Okay, but like for instance, it, it's very complicated because the series has had like its own ingrained meta plot, and then in different editions they keep changing how the meta plot works. Okay, okay. So like second edition is the one we played the most. Third edition's out now, which changes how it works. But in second edition, the way it worked is if you're a solar exalt, the idea was that they were created by one of the gods Mm. uh, to basically rule the world. Um, Okay. But they had a lot of enemies, and Mm. one of the evil gods put a curse on them to make it so that they would eventually, like, go crazy and be brought down by, like, their own tragic flaws and whatnot. Uh, Troy! As a result, they became, like, horrible tyrants that nobody liked, so the other races rose up and overthrew them, but you couldn't kill them because they're demigods. Like, if you kill them, their soul just goes into another body. Right. So, instead, they took all of the souls and they imprisoned them so that the solars wouldn't get back out. But then, like, 300 years later... Someone breaks the prison and the souls start leaking out and just possessing people in the world whose ideals like align with theirs. Yeah. And so you're some of those new solars and the Okay, okay. So you get to pick which of those seeped out souls yeah. you And there's own. there's like three hundred and fifty, so it's just like, yeah, make up your own, whatever. Okay, but what's the so well, I guess that's true of any game, but like in masks and Cthulhu it seems very obvious what your end game is. What's your end game as a demigod that seeped out? Like what what are you against? Are you trying to find that wizard that cursed you or some shit? There's there's a few things you can do. Okay. Uh, the solars have enemies because now when they were overthrown, the people who overthrow the who overthrew them are now in charge. Okay. And they're very unhappy that solars are popping up again. Okay. So one of the big plots is that you'll fight the terrestrial exalted, which are uh, they got their powers through intermingling with dragons. They're like okay. descended from the dragons. Okay. They're like an individual one is weaker than mm-hmm. uh, a solar, mm-hmm. but they have numbers and they've had a long time to build an empire. So you never really so, fight one on one with a giant boss. Oh no, you can fight one on one with a giant boss. Okay. You could be fighting against other solars. Okay. Uh, there's also abyssal exalted, which are evil versions of solars. The okay. entire reason that the prison was. Uh, was ruptured was to take some of the souls and corrupt them. 
Okay. So there's like evil undead uh, solars that you can Ooh. fight against, which are the abyssals. Zombie demigods. Mm. Well, infected zombie go- uh, demigods. Maybe not zombie. Yeah, it's got a whole lore around uh, around it, and mm-hmm. the the big campaign we did. I guess this we can get into the first story. This is actually the first campaign we ever played with Craig. Oh, okay. So a f- couple years ago. Uh-huh. Uh huh. AJ was the D was the DM for this. The storyteller. Have you been playing with D with AJ forever? Because I know. You yeah, guys I've been playing no- with him forever. I was gonna say you guys have known him, so I assumed he was one of the OGs. It, this wasn't our first campaign in Exalted. We never did. Mm-hmm. The first campaign was bad. Okay. And we all freely admit that. Although yeah. we have a certain attachment to the characters that we made in that campaign. Uh, we had it. It was uh, AJ's first foray into DMing. Yeah. He made the he made the error of having a DM PC. What's that mean? Uh, it's when the DM makes a character because they don't want to be left out of playing too. But because they're the DM, their character's just better than everyone else. Okay. Yep. So everyone ends up playing as sidekicks to the DM PC. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that would be uh, uh, problematic. Mm-hmm. Well, for everyone else. <laughs> I mean, for you, it's great. The, the campaign we were in is basically a reimagining of that, where we had different characters, but it was it was handled better. The character that was the DMPC was now like a mysterious benefactor with uncertain motives. Okay. So, like, he was still the guy giving us the quest, but he wasn't like hands on showing up and upstaging us, and we were a little bit uncertain of whether he was friend or foe. Okay. So it was that was a much more interesting way to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would love doing the DMP. I, I wouldn't mind playing with one, but I don't know if I would uh, do that. I mean, there's there's a different like. I mean, the DM plays all the characters. You yeah, want exactly. Into. You play the, the difference between a DMPC and an NPC is that the DMPC is basically like, I want to join the party too, and I'm better than you because I was made by the DM. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to do this, and I can because I'm telling both sides of the story now. Yes. Okay. okay. And I mean, like, you can have NPC helpers tagging along in a fight. Some DMs like to do that, and some don't. Yeah. And like, yeah, stuff like KG Bear. KG Bear is not really a DM PC. <laughs> no, KG Bear is life. He was upstaging everyone because we, the players, wanted, and that—that's really what the difference is. Yeah. Like the NPC, sometimes players will get really attached to an NPC. I have a story about that. Okay. Um, and they'll want them to be around, and that's fine. But the DMPC is basically the DM forcing it on you, which yeah. isn't fine. Which, like, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it was like that, but in this most recent Cthulhu little mini arc, we had NPCs around us at all times, following uh-huh. us, working with us, working against us. Yeah, okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. I like it. Anyways, what about that uh, that sesh? So, so this was like a reimagining of things. Craig wasn't in the original, so he was an outlier to the whole thing. Okay, a new character. And uh, one thing that's interesting about Exalted is that you have... Everyone's afflicted with what uh, is... Um, I think it's the Great Curse is what it's called. Okay, the thing that made everyone go mad. Yep. Okay. So you still got that. And uh, it basically ensures that you're going to have some flaw that makes it harder for you to work well with others. Okay. Which includes your own team. So Exalted opens up to a lot of party infighting. Okay. And that's basically what this campaign ended up turning into. Early on in the campaign, uh, we managed to conquer a kingdom. It's a human kingdom, so mm-hmm. they're not too tough. They get they get reinforced by terrestrials, mm-hmm. but we take the terrestrials down. Because yeah. there's like five of us, and five solars is pretty powerful. Yeah. 
Um, so we've got this kingdom, and we decide that all of us are going to be the ruling council of this kingdom. And that's how we're going to govern, is that the council makes all decisions by majority rule. And everyone has an equal voice and an equal presence on the council. Okay. So if, you wanted, if we wanted to make a big sweeping decision, we would debate it until we could come to a majority uh, agreement on it. Okay. Kind of like we do for our Smash tournament. Yes. Okay, but in a game, in in the... government, yeah, government by committee, and we would of course, all, like all of us had different like advisors and different things that we were in charge of. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on that, like within our own purview, we could make executive decisions. But if it was something that would be a big sweeping things, we had to convene the council. Okay, uh, and that's what we all sat down and agreed to. But Craig was power hungry. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So, and we all actually thought this was pretty cool, but he starts trying to undermine all of our authorities by putting spies into our midst mm-hmm. and trying to, like, steer all of our individual departments to become more in line with his. Uh-huh. And, um, my character was the talkie guy. Okay. Uh, who was, he, he had started as a mercenary leader. And so he did a lot of, like, he was basically serving as the diplomat because he did a lot of, like, management and managing people and community outreach, uh-huh. let's say. Um, so he immediately notices the spies. <laughs> okay. Because he's just good at that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and some of the others notice the spies, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have varying different reactions because not all of us were 100% good. One of us was... A, just a real evil wizard and uh, threw the spy into an experiment that he was <laughs> doing. Okay. Um, but, so, yeah. We go to convene the council and, like, the three of us that realized that we were being spied on and cared about it uh, decide to try and confront him about undermining our authority. Mm-hmm. And Craig just denies it. Okay. Just yeah. keeps denying it. Like, we don't let on that we know about the spies first, but we're just like, look, you know, we have to we have to respect the rules we laid down for the council. And if there were anyone that were not respecting the rules <laughs> of the council, <laughs> it would be great if they would air their grievances uh, right now. And Craig's just like, no, I have no grievances. Yeah, everything's no, good. Yeah, everything's good. And so eventually this ends up in getting into a heated argument where I basically lead half of the council to just abandon the kingdom. Like, fine, you want to rule it? Here, it's yours. Fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Which, that, while you're talking about that, that's kind of one of the weird things I've had with D&D that you have to get just used to. One, one of those skills you pick up is you know everything, obviously. You're playing a character or, or pushing along a character. So you know everything is going on, but you have to make decisions like you don't. That's a little tricky at first. Yeah, you do have to do that. That was like one of the hardest things at first. I was like, wait, I just heard you say that. Yeah, but your character didn't. I was like, ah, fuck ah. Uh, did you do this? Like trying to get them to say, yeah, so I could have a reason my character knew it. And that's that's a little weird to learn at first, but it's, once you get into it, it's totally worth it. Well, like in Mess, when we did our infighting thing with, uh, uh, with Jake's character, I don't remember what his character's name was, but that whole scenario. Like once you get used to all the information that's in front of you, the person, isn't available to you, the character. It becomes way cooler. Now, yeah, no, that's that's tricky to do. Yeah, just just like a lot of different things. It's just one of those things you pick up. As you say these things, I'm like, wait, how did you, you know, how did that, like, trying to picture how that scene played out 
in the moment is really tough to do. And that's why recapping is so much fun, because you don't have to. It's just like, hey, here's the story of how it happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, continue. No, like, Craig had no... Craig knew out of character that we had of found course. the spies, yeah. but he was like, yeah, no, my character just denies yeah, every, yeah. like, every accusation, every allegation, he just denies it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so we ended up... We ended up splitting and having a civil war, and <laughs> you, know, you like took some people and fought against his some people. Uh, that's that's pretty much what ended up happening. Except the the two people that stayed with him were the evil wizard and uh, a quiet rogue who he figured was just kind of a harmless rogue. It was Slim's character. Okay. Uh, I so far Slim has made some of the best characters I've seen. He's, yeah, Slim was playing uh, an assassin by the name of Ghost. Okay, and I like uh, it already. Um, Ghost's entire goal was to create the perfect poison. Okay, that was and like every character has a motivation. Yeah. that is something that they want to accomplish. It's usually it's not something like lofty, like save the world. Yeah, it's usually something attainable. Okay, and his motivation was to create the perfect poison, just to kill anything and everything. Yeah, like if you get poisoned with it, there's no antidote and you, no chance of survival, and it works like instantaneously. Okay, so and he makes it. And he makes it. <laughs> I love and where this is going. Basically, Craig tries to bring all of the lesser nobles in the kingdom mm-hmm. to a feast to try and get everyone to consolidate and accept him as the supreme ruler. Like, except that the council has disbanded that he is now king. Mm-hmm. And uh, Slim poisons all the food at the banquet. <laughs> Just murder Craig's his- everyone? And yes, he did in fact succeed in making the perfect poison. So everyone dies. Jesus. <laughs> Craig doesn't because he's a solar. Yeah. And he probably just didn't eat the same food. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everyone dies, and they die so hard that it makes what's called a shadow land, which basically is like desecrated ground where something horrible has happened. Okay. And Shadowland is free territory for the uh, the abyssals to travel in. Oh, so they basically opened up a welcome mat. Yep. And Ghost just pieces out. He doesn't care about the abyssals or the kingdom. Yeah, he just killed everyone. <laughs> yeah, he succeeded in his goal. He's done. Yeah. So basically what ended up happening is that Craig drove out all the people that were actually trustworthy, uh-huh. and the people that stayed behind are the people that were already planning to double-cross him. Who was the evil wizard? Uh, the evil wizard was uh, Steven. You don't know no, him. No, no, I don't know Steven yet. Slim, so, so, murders everyone, leaves Craig all alone, Abyssal show up. Was that, like, the end of the session? Did Craig die? It pretty much did just, like, we, we left it, like open-ended there. Okay, so I mean, there's a little bit more to it. There was, uh, because my character had just left the kingdom and there wasn't much for me to do, I had pulled, I I had made a new character who was a mortal hero. Okay. Um, But he wasn't. He was a, he was an abyssal death knight posing as a mortal hero. You can make a bad guy? Oh, you can make any of these things. And his whole thing was that he was posing as one of the uh, lesser lords that was trying to curry favor with Craig, and he was trying to manipulate circumstances to the point that he gets a Shadowlands here. Oh, so it worked out either way for him. (laughs) 
So, yeah, it basically just ended with him, with Craig, like, weirdly enough, trusted me 100%. And let you run with it. Even though I was the one who led the exodus in the first place. But these were, these were different, different characters. Different characters, yeah. So, and I'm like, he's like, what are we going to do about this? I did everything you said, and this is where I'm at. And I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, you can die. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, that would be pretty fun. All right, so that's Exalted. How just just lay it on me just real briefly. What what type of play is that? Is that a skill based role to pass your individual? The mechanics are fiddly. Okay, okay. I would say that the the system has it has a veneer of simplicity. It doesn't have an overwhelming amount of skills. Okay. Uh, you have nine stats, which are broken down into three physical, three mental, and three social stats. Oh, so I was going to assume magical, but okay, social. I'm assuming magical or in physical then. Mental. Oh, okay, never mind. And uh, yeah, you get a handful of skills, uh, but where the system gets really complicated is charms, which are basically your godly abilities. Yeah. And charms are all based are all governed by a skill. So, like, say, uh, you are good at uh, athletics. Mm-hmm. Then athletics, the skill has a whole charm tree, which kind of works like selecting skills in Diablo, where it has prerequisites. Yeah, and you have to have the skill at a certain point, and you have to have a governing. Uh, you have to have like an overall essence level, which is like. Just how much god power you have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at a certain point, and then you have to have the prerequisite skills, and that gives you that skill. And you have so many that you can choose, and you can learn more as you go on. And there's like hundreds of charms in the yeah. game. So that's where the system gets real. Like building a character in Exalted takes forever. I would believe that. I would believe that. But as a result, your characters are supposed to be pretty permanent. You don't really die in Exalted. And, um, but do you like. Uh, level up, quote unquote. Do you? Like- you do. It's basically uh, like you get a certain amount of experience, and then you use that experience to buy points and skills or charms. Okay, I think I'm understanding a little bit. It's like masks had uh, what? Did, what was that? Uh, big uh, shit where you got five of them and you got to cash them in for a, what was that called? Uh, At the end of a session, if you I can't remember, basically like advancement com- points. They're yeah. basically experience points. Yeah, if you accomplish something, you got one. Well, it's it's like a point by system. So it'd be like if I have one rank in a if I have no ranks in a skill, it costs you three experience points to buy rank one. Okay, it goes to all the way to rank five, and then it costs you. Uh, I think the rank you're trying to buy plus one experience points to continue on in the skill. Okay. So rank two is three points. Rank three is four points. Got it. Uh, you just work your way up the scale. Yep. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. That's Exalted. What else have you played? Um, let's see. I'm not going to count some of the really small systems. Uh, there was... Um, there was a system uh, that is now dead, uh, uh-huh. which was, in hindsight, not a great system. Okay. But it was Big Eyes, Small Mouth, the anime role-playing system. Love it already. And we basically ran a Kingdom Hearts campaign in it. Oh, okay. It was right. uh, it was spe- it was pretty special, but we had good memories from that. So yeah, that's where uh, did Jake ever tell you his organization thirteen name? No, it's Kjax. Oh, that's a good name. I like Kjax. 
That also ended up becoming the name of his Exalted character as well. Oh, he played Exalted back then? Yep. Okay. Was that was that back... That was here, like, re- not recently, but that was like... It was a long as time As an ago. adult. Or was that like pre-college? Uh, it was pre-college. Oh, okay. Did you play in college? Because for whatever reason, DJ ran away like a, a city girl to Pennsylvania. Yes, that's actually when we started Cthulhu. Oh, all right. We did it online over. Yeah, uh, like you do every I think other, it was Skype at the time. Every other Saturday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which you guys do it over Discord now, right? Yes. Okay, and you don't do video. You just do the tabletop simulator and you talk yep. to each other. I was hoping that there was a Steam sale going on. And I was hoping that would be on sale, and it wasn't. I'm gonna buy it. Mm. I want to see what it's all about. And Jimmy likes doing puzzles on there, so I want to see that. But, anyways, sorry. Continue. You were talking about KJAX. Yeah, that's Jake's organization. Thirteen name. I love it. Which he later used for, which is just to find your organization thirteen name. Scramble the letters in your uh, in your normal first name and okay. add an X somewhere. Okay. And see if you can get it to actually sound good. Vixen. My name could actually be Vixen. You need a K. Oh, I have to do all the letters? Every letter needs to be in Son there. Son of a bitch. Okay. Uh, Vixen. V-I-K-X-E-N. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I'm counting it. I could be Vixen in that scenario. Yeah. I would be a sultry lady with big boobies. <laughs> it, sure. It, it just adds up. I wear <laughs> black leather, tight straps like a, you know the suit uh, that Mila Jokovic wears in Fifth Element? Yeah. The white stripes? It'd be that, but black. The thing that's basically just body tape? Yeah, that's all it is. Well, that is a good movie, and it's on Netflix now. Keep that in mind. Mm, okay. Okay, any other systems you played besides D&D? Um, like, enough to hmm. say that they're worth a try? All of them are... Okay, that was a bad way of phrasing that. All tabletop games are worth a try if you enjoy it, but still. Masks is part of a set of systems Lie. called... Fatal is not worth a try. Sorry. Probably not. <laughs> Continue. Uh, masks is part of a set of systems uh, that are referred to as powered by the apocalypse. Okay. Uh, because the first of those was a system called Apocalypse World. Makes and sense. it is a very narrative-focused system that mm-hmm. is very rules-light mm-hmm. and thus is very easy to homebrew into other things. So Masks is one of the more high-profile uh, powered-by-the-apocalypse systems, yeah. but there's there's basically a system like that in every flavor. If you want a D&D flavor, there's Dungeon World. Okay, okay. Um, Similar, like, play style, you just switch up the theme? Yep. Instead okay. of superheroes, you pick, like, a D&D class instead of getting powers you get something that's like related to your class so bards get like i can sing and give you pluses stuff like that okay i get that that makes sense but then everything else pretty much works the same okay uh so we had played that uh we had also played uh we played a little bit of shadow run but that system is incredibly complicated I've never even heard of it, but if you're saying it's complicated, uh, it's basically uh, imagine like a cross between like Blade Runner and Dungeons and Dragons. Jesus, it's basically but... what it, like if you took the the future of Blade Runner, but there were orcs and elves involved. Oh, okay, just throw in a few different races. Uh, uh, what's and, that? and magic's a thing. What's that? Uh, uh, Will Smith Netflix movie? Uh, Bright. It's like yeah, no, Bright. it's not like that. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, never mind. Um. But Shadowrun's one we tried, and it's a system that I really like the setting. The rules are extremely, like, 
It's one of the more it's it's the line I think between where a system if you go just beyond Shadowrun the system's too mechanically heavy for me to okay um because it's got a lot because you've got you know you've got all the races then you've got a whole bunch of uh there there's classes but they're more like templates because it's it's a whole bunch of different skill buys and attribute buys and then you have cybertech and you have magic and those okay. are different and opposing power systems okay. and um and then you have all kinds of different weapons and vehicles and Jeez. it's very it's very like nitty-gritty it, like there's there's just a lot of detail that you have to, yeah. to put in to make a character it's another system where creating a character takes an entire session um, I would believe that. So far, we've been lucky with what we with what I've been in. It hasn't been too complicated for making a character. It's just like, what do I roll for this? Oh, okay, and then you continue on. But there is a powered by the apocalypse version of Shadowrun called Sixth World, which is still in kind of like a beta state. Like it's basically just some guy decided to try and homebrew the rules into that. Mm-hmm. So there's there's gaps and there's holes in the the rules. But I uh, I DM'd a campaign of that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite campaigns I've ever done. Really? Because I just really like the setting, and when you strip the uh, the ridiculous mechanics out and just focus on like the flavor of the setting, mm-hmm. you uh, I found it to be uh, really fun. The problem I have with systems like that is that there's only so many options of what you can really do there, because they're so simple. Like mechanically there's not a lot of variance between characters yes everybody's basically just like well my turn to do that as well and sometimes i like to have a little bit of a balance between between crunch and narrative yeah what so i know that there's some i got update on my phone a little while ago about uh licensed D type games have you ever played any of them like so for example the one that i got updated on that was like that sounds fun is alien based the movie alien with the uh, xenomorphs uh, and you could be, you know, the, the, I would assume this one was like a module. You were like on a ship and you got to pick all your characters. Someone could be Ripley. Someone could be, you know, so on and so forth. There was a time. When you played some of those? Not really. Oh. Uh, but there, there was a time in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. where d and third edition had come out. Okay. The third edition had uh, what, what they called the D20 system. Which was meant to be kind, which they build as kind of a universal or open source uh, engine that you could you could basically like submit any system you make and it could be officially sponsored by the the D twenty system. Oh hell yeah! This was a mistake. Oh okay, hell no, hell hell no. <laughs> this is how you get things like the Book of Erotic Fantasy. Fatal. Yeah, no. <laughs> what's what's the book of erotic fantasy? It's exactly what it sounds like. Okay. It was the D20 system applied to sexcapades. Oh my god. I put my 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 feet my sheet wanna, up her you, skirt and roll 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 roll. If you want to have a game that's really granular about the state of your dongus and has oh various magics to either enhance or cripple the donguses of your opponents. <laughs> oh, it sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds like the game I want to play. Uh, um, but it basically meant there were there were good things that came out of this, yes. Okay, but there was also a lot of trash that came out of this. As well, it's kind of like when and the problem is that the D twenty system wasn't really built to be a universal system either. Yeah, it was built to work for Dungeons and Dragons. Well, so what is the D twenty system? Because I played no, nothing I've played so far has been a D twenty system. No, 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 it hasn't. Uh, the D twenty system is 
It's what third edition D&D is. That's basically all I can say about it. Okay. Uh, the the idea is that you roll a d20, a 20-sided dice, yeah. in order to uh, in order to figure out if you do anything. Okay. The other dice still matter, but they're just for things like damage. And... Okay. So it's and it, it's not like pass-fail? There's like varying degrees of what you do based on the number? Nope, it's entirely pass-fail. Oh, okay. And... Um... Based on your skill, so if your skill is like an eleven, but you have to roll. I mean, there's more to it than that because fifth edition D and D doesn't use the D twenty system, but it still uses a D twenty to roll everything that you do. Okay. Because um, there's like templates for how you would create a character class in a D twenty system, mm-hmm. things like the base attack bonus, which is just a number that raises as you level that you add on to make you better at attacking things. Okay. That's that's a hallmark of the D twenty system. Uh, save progression as you level up. That's just a bonus you get to saves as you level up. And then there's just like class features and feats that you can also get to just further customize yourself. Uh, D20 system, though, has a lot of problems in that it has a lot of beginner traps in it. Okay. That in order to like build a well-rounded character, you need to do it a certain way. And there's Because you're limited on what you can choose for class features and feats. And some of them are just bad and useless. But you won't know that if you... But you won't know that if you just start. Okay. Like, you can you can burn a feat to give yourself, like, an extra action or extra levels worth of hit points, or you could burn a feat to get an extra language that you'll never use. So kind of like how in Cthulhu I put a ton of points into library use, assuming it would pan out, and it hasn't panned out. Usually library use is a good investment. But... That's what people say. <laughs> Thusly, it's, it's done caused me nothing but pain. <sighs> All right. What's your what's what's your best session? What's your best session you've ever played? I know that's kind of a true, like you know, unanswerable question because you played probably what a thousand sessions. Um, as a DM, I'm a big fan of the Six World game that we did. Okay. Um, as a player, I like the I like the session where we just got in a heated debate with Craig and stormed out. That, that the exalted one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that would be a pretty good one. You guys have been doing D and D on the on the every other Skype thing lately. Is that how? Is that one session that's been going on? Well, not one session, but one um story that's been going on forever. That story hasn't been going on forever. It's been going on since I think like uh, 2017 is when I started that. That's so. pretty forever. The characters are like level six now. Oh, that's right. So you have a leveling system in that. Yep. Fifth edition goes from one to twenty. There are levels beyond twenty, but I don't recall if fifth edition has a lot of support for going beyond there. Yeah, and it usually takes forever to get there anyway, so that's not a big deal. So, so okay, so you level up. What happens? What happens when someone dies? Like you're, you're everyone's level five, and one person uh, dies. Resurrection is a thing in that game, and the higher level you get, the easier it is to get access to resurrection. Okay. So if someone dies at a low level, yeah, they might not be able to get resurrected, but they haven't put as much work into that character. Yeah. Once you've put more work into the character and got them higher level, it's more feasible that you could bring them back if they die. Okay, and if and if you can't, you just make a new one. And you just if you can't, then it's a very sad moment. Okay. Yeah, you lose them. You legit lose that character. Yes. You do you make a new character and just stay underpowered for a while? Um, some people have done that. I don't do that. Nah. If, if I had someone lose a character permanently, 
they would be allowed to make a character of the same level as their previous. And there's the stereotype of some people who will just make the same character write Junior on it and say, <laughs> my goal is to avenge my father. You mean how Vaughn just remade a character that was also a Sam Houston priest of the Church of Sam Houston? Pretty much. I, I don't like it when people do that in D&D. I'm okay with it in Call of Cthulhu because yeah. characters can last. Vaughn had a character that lasted five minutes. He's died in back-to-back sessions. So Yep. So yeah, no, I don't blame them there at all. What's the coolest thing that's happened so far in that specific sesh? In what? Call of Cthulhu? No, no, no. Your D&D that's been going on since 2017. Uh... Team killed a dragon? That was pretty sweet. <laughs> okay. What happened there? Lay it out. Um, they... Wait, no, no, hold on. I'm sorry. Yes, I want to hear the story, but what was the story? This always got like glossed over. Where Steven wouldn't let you die, and he got himself killed in the... That wasn't this campaign. That was that campaign? Or was uh, it? Yeah, so that was this campaign. That was pretty recent, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, so everyone was in a, a dungeon called the Fleshworks, which had been taken over by Mind Flayers to do horrible experiments. Okay. Craig was playing a Barbarian. Barbarian's a very strong class, but a very simple one. Yeah. They, they do two things. They rage and they hit things. My two favorite. And while Craig was very effective, he was getting bored with the simplicity of the class and wanted to retire the character. So I was like, okay, I'll write in an opportunity for you to have a heroic death. And he had a character made up waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. Everything was good. I didn't tell the other players that he was trying to die, though. Yeah. Because, you know, I wanted it to be a good organic surprise for them. Yeah. So they're trying to escape the Fleshworks. And they're given an opportunity where Craig is like... Don't worry, guys. I'll hold them off here. You escape. Okay. Steven's playing a druid, and he's basically the party sealer. Yeah. And he stands behind... He stands behind Craig and just keeps healing him. <laughs> okay. And so he's, Craig he's is like, taking... No, I won't leave without you! Uh, I should know that this is actually something I'm a little annoyed with because their whole thing... Those two characters hate each other. Okay. And there's no reason that they should start like getting along now. Yeah. And also, Steven had never really played as rude as a healer up until this very point. <laughs> this is like the most out-of-character moment. He just wanted to have an extremely heroic moment where he gets the entire party out, which was conflicting with Craig wanting to have a heroic moment where he dies. Yes. <laughs> who, what, who, what? So he heals him, he so, fights, he heals him, he fights. Do they both die? Yes. Oh, because okay. I keep giving him opportunity. Like, basically, he's getting to the point where it's getting overwhelmed. Yeah. And there's no way that he's going to, to make it out. And I'm like, okay, but, like, if you if you don't get out, once they kill, once he goes down, they're going to aim for you. Yeah. So I keep giving him opportunity. Like, do you flee now? And they're like, not until Craig does. <laughs> I mean, it's a good friend, I guess, but it's a bad player. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Inevitably, Craig goes down, and then, yeah, they attack him, and he fails his saves, and he dies. Jeez. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I'm assuming he had to make a new character? He had to make a new character, and he almost juniored it, because he made the exact same class, but I gave him a pass on this because it was a different race and a different backstory. Okay. Like, it wasn't like, I'm this character junior. He's just like, I really like the druid class. Mm -hmm. I want to keep playing the druid class, but I will make a different character with a different backstory whose motive is not to avenge my previous character. <laughs> yeah, because that's 90% of what the juniors are. And the character he made, I think, is more interesting, too. So Yeah, it's a good one. 
Mm. All right, what happened with the dragon? I'm sorry, I got distracted. I just, I always thought that was funny. You know, that was a more interesting story than the dragon. <laughs> yeah. He just fought a dragon. He was a boss. There you go. We haven't done uh, uh, any boss. I missed the big boss fight for masks. Yep. And other than that, I I haven't done any boss fights. I've done plenty. Of, there's been lots of action. I won't say there's been a lack of Cthulhu action. Cthulhu should not have boss fights. If you're fighting no. a boss in Cthulhu, you're dying. Yeah. Uh, the closest thing we got to a boss fight, and it and it's not a specific boss, was last session when what how we were at some house and uh, basically we got overrun by the fish people. And like remember, uh, me and Vaughn jumped out the window. And Vaughn failed his role and landed in the water and yeah. like everything. Yeah, that was that was the closest it's been to a boss fight because there was very real chance of a team wipe. Uh-huh. Everyone was on edge, um, which we all got away. No one died. Uh, nope, yeah, no, no one, one died. died. No one died. We all got Nigel away. got locked in the trunk, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's because he couldn't. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. I think my favorite D and D moment, like in playing so far in general. Uh, was either the prison break in masks with KG Bear and Yakov Smirnov saying in uh, Electrified Room, you shock room or whatever, he flipped it and turned the guy into pure energy. That was awesome. Oh, and that was the same one where Wildcard cut the brakes on the prison and it started drifting through Iowa yep. <laughs> or Indiana or some shit, wherever it was. <laughs> Wildcard was my favorite thing. Masks was fun for that, but my favorite moment in uh, Cthulhu just like probably bar none was the ending session of last campaign where everyone died except you no so that's not why i was here that was awesome but very final session uh was the one after so was immediately after we had this big like standoff in a town we all got shot at by these random snipers Uh and albert's character died and he didn't die or almost died jimmy did die i resurrected him no, that was in the final session. Yep. Jimmy's character died. I resurrected him, lost a fairly large amount of insanity points. He lost a ton. I think he rolled an 18 or whatever out of the 20 you could lose. Yep. Um, we ended up having sex, not in real life, but <laughs> for, for a yeah, while. But in your insanity, you both decided you were in love with each other and <laughs> yeah. had to consummate well, it right the, there. The funniest part was, so my character's whole thing was, yes, I'm trying to get my wife. So obviously that makes sense. I think he's my wife. His character went so insane, he thought I was Billy Idol and wanted to have sex with Billy Idol yes. for some reason. And this was taking place in the 1930s, so Billy Idol didn't exist. <laughs> so it was a real insane, premonition insanity yep. point. And uh, anyways, we ended up going on. And the final, I thought it played out, So especially the twist afterwards where Craig said we could have made it way better. The final session, we were all after the Holy Grail for our own selfish reasons. My character actually has carried through his ideal of lone wolf doesn't care about anyone else just get him to his end game still doing that i really i love my character in cthulhu i'm having a lot of fun with that and when i lose him that's gonna suck but anyways we get to what was the place we east east yeah east um and we all find the grail and there's this really creepy ominous dude who i chose personally to picture as have you seen you know in adventure time the uh knight that makes fun of them for not having armor that's Remember that night? Long black hair, blue skin, real slanty eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's how I chose to picture this creepy dude. I, I was always picturing him as the mummy from the Brendan Fraser mummy movie. <laughs> Shaved, tan, or like the evil, like yeah, the messed uh, up mummy uh, I think part. Arnold Vosloo is the, the actor's name. Something like that, yeah. Uh, that's, who, that's who I pictured. No, no, it was Billy, um, uh, 
uh frick we i want to look this up because that's actually hilarious that you we pictured him completely differently mm-hmm. mummy brendan fraser that's all i'm gonna type in i just yeah. really want to emotep is the name of the mummy oh yeah emotep uh in that it was oh no no yeah, arnold Va- vaslu yep yeah uh high press priest emotep um i was thinking of the guy who played uh phantom in the movie phantom oh, okay the purple superhero suit with the skulls do you remember that movie mm. oh if you don't remember that's a movie to watch that's our one of our reviews i, mean, I heard affleck was the bomb in fan <laughs> yeah well that that movie is the re- okay that's going to be one of our movie reviews but anyways we make it there this guy offers us this give me the glass and i'll set you up and i'll let you go which obviously in cthulhu setting is like fucks up uh-huh. what the fuck's going on here so I want the the goblet because if I drink it, I will get my wife back. Uh, Jimmy wants it. I don't remember why. Jake wants it to go back to his time. He's displaced. Jimmy wants it because he got an insanity, which made him obsess over it. Yeah, he he was obsessed over it. I don't remember his original goal for the grail. We all had to have our own. I don't remember his. Jake wanted to go back in time. Vaughn wanted endless wealth, basically, and power. Nobody really knew what the Grail would do, but yeah. they knew that drinking it would give them power. Yeah. I think that was something big so like that. we're all going for it. Frickin' Vaughn is... <laughs> me and Vaughn joined Cthulhu at the same time, so his character, by his own frickin' reason, was my bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And he was after my wealth, because I was a rich railroad tycoon. Uh-huh. And anything I said, he did. Pre- he was... He stuck to that through the whole campaign. If I was like, Vaughn... I need this, or Vaughn protect me. He boom, he was there. I don't. His character was an Italian. Vaughn's pretty good at staying in character. He re, so. he likes to. He sticks with the Texas accent. He does a accent. voice. Yeah, he jumps in. And uh, so uh, I grab the Grail, and at, uh, AJ or no, sorry, Jason shoots it out of my hand, which leads Vaughn to mow him down with his Tommy gun. Jason's dead. Mm-hmm. Then. Uh, Jake, I don't remember. AJ wasn't at this session or something. No, he was. He was. What happened to him? He, oh, he, he went insane. Yeah, yeah. He 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 looked upon the the Grail and all that. We all had to roll a sand check, and he went full insane. Well, that was later. He's not insane yet. He's not insane then. He's not insane yet. Oh, he's saying when said thing happened. Yeah. Right. So, oh, I got so lucky with my sanity check on that one. So, uh, which makes Jake, because Jake's whole character is like um, the hero. The, the yep. I'll take care of this. I'll lead the charge. We're all going to do right. In Call of Cthulhu, I think you tend to fall into Scooby-Doo roles, and he's the Fred. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the Fred. So he charges to get the Grail and grapple. So, of course, I say, Vaughn, take care of it. Vaughn mows him down with his Tommy gun, uh, which leaves... How did Vaughn die? Was It, it was a shoot-off. They died together, right? Uh, yeah, Jimmy wanted the Grail. Yeah. So, so he realizes that he could either die for the Grail, but knows that that would get him shot by Vaughn. Yeah. So he decides to shoot Vaughn That's instead. That's right. And then I go to pick up the Grail. Jimmy gets it first. Jimmy drinks from the Grail, which instantly turns him into Cthulhu. He yes. grows exponentially. He gets great power by becoming Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, he grows it becomes this giant monster Cthulhu. Me and AJ are the only two people alive left. You died earlier in the session. Oh, yeah, I died real early in yeah. this campaign. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were just along for the ride. Yep. Um, AJ rolls, fails miserably, rolls his sanity, loses it entirely, and praises yeah, he Cthulhu. He like 68 sanity or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Because Cthulhu is a 1d100 sanity loss yeah. if you fail. 1d10 if you pass. Yeah. So he, uh, we both failed our thing. He lost, yeah, an insane amount. But you only lost like eight. I, I lost a very minimum amount, and the only thing that happened to me was I got scared and ran away, which 
Perfect. Like, yep. Yeah, I'll take it. So Jimmy's Cthulhu, AJ's insane, everyone's dead. I run and jump through the portal that's been sitting there, and I end up in the ocean outside of California. Yep. <laughs> like five years in the future or some shit, which I didn't know at the time. But that session, I think, was my favorite because it had the most level of independent engagement that had happened up to that point. Because those games are all very teamwork-orientated. You're talking. Like, out of character, you're talking. Hmm, this would be cool. Do you think the team should do this? Then you go into character and you say, Hey, Jake Fightmaster, would you help me with this? This moment was just everyone going, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm do-, and it just kind of playing together. Oh, it was perfect. Uh, yeah, you get better about keeping everything in character, and it seems like a small thing, but it really does matter. Oh, it's huge, yeah. Um, which... Uh, I would say this this version of Cthulhu so far, we've had the smoothest level of uh, independent teamwork. Mm-hmm. You know, you and, and AJ are doing your thing, and you each have a goal, and Jimmy is the most clumsy Samurai Jack that's ever existed. He's It's his best character, for as far as I'm concerned, so far. <laughs> um, uh, Jake is Jake Fightmaster. I'm Hugo still. Vaughn has been, like, four characters. <laughs> Jason has a hurdy-gurdy, and he sticks to his guns. Like, <laughs> This session so far for me, I mean, I've only played three sessions worth of games. This has been damn near perfect. I actually really like my character in this session in spite of her being the weakest Carl Cthulhu <laughs> character I've ever rolled. Yeah, but she's doing awesome stuff, and she got to have uh, relations uh, with another lady. With a prostitute. Yeah, yes. it's a win-win. <laughs> no, she's doing awesome. Um, Jimmy's inability to pass a stealth check has been great. Your insane moment of telegraph of uh, uh, notating everything was great. I like that I'm uh, using you all as canaries in a coal mine. Jake has gone insane a few times and done like some really funny like detective stuff. It's been it's been through and Jason's just playing. Like, Jake, Jake was basically running around like Fred, accusing Red Herring of doing yeah. everything. You did this. You did this. You did this. <laughs> I know it was Red yeah. Herring. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason plays his instrument with a ghost. It's been great. It's been great. I really have been enjoying this one. And Craig has made it not so difficult that we can't do it, but not so easy that we're walking through. Mm-hmm. You know, like last it's, session. It's I always sh- the threat of death looming over us. Yeah. One bad roll. Yeah. Last session, I definitely shouldn't have walked beside my horse. It took me six turns. I f- passed three in a row, failed three in a row. If I had just rode the horse, it would have been three passes and it would have been over. But depending on your level of superstition and all that stuff, I do think the uh, moment influences the dice roll. I really do. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. It's my own personal thing. So I had mentioned the Kanye story at the beginning. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah. we're running a little long, but... <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's Man the Machine. It can run forever. I think what I'll do is I'll tell the Kanye story and then maybe one more story of your choice. Okay. I'll give you a few options. Okay, I'm interested. So it's, it's story time now. Okay. The Kanye story is actually pretty short. Yeah. So we uh, are starting uh, a D&D campaign. Craig at this point does not like D&D. His only exposure to D&D had been a fourth edition session where there were like 12 people. AJ was trying to DM for them. Most of them hadn't played before. Some of them had, but they'd only played third edition. And there's this whole thing with fourth edition where a lot of people didn't like fourth edition and just wanted it to be more like third Uh, edition. When we played with Logan, he was like, we're not doing fourth edition. And I was like... Why? And he's just like, we're not doing it. It's like, okay. I didn't. The Rick and Morty comic has a joke about it too, because Morty tries every edition. They're like, we've done first, second, third, and then now we're going to fifth edition. What happened to fourth? And Rick's like, you don't talk about fourth. <laughs> yeah. Fourth isn't that bad, but a lot of people didn't like it because it changed the, the feel of the game too much. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, it was a fourth edition, but some people were like, oh, I want to do third so that I can have a spike chain trip fighter build, which is ridiculous and broken. Okay. Uh, Munchkin level broken? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. So like half of the people who knew what they were doing, instead of like taking the newer players under their wing, were trying to munchkin it. And Craig just got lost in the shuffle and didn't yeah. have a good time. So yeah. he had this thing in his head that I just don't like D&D. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we were going to have a D&D session. It was my buddy Kyle wanted to play, and he hadn't played before, but he yeah. wanted to get into it. Um, and Kyle, uh, Kyle, did I know, or a different Kyle? No, not not Kyle. Uh, not Kyle Norton. Kyle Kelly, yeah. It was Kyle Kelly. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. That's the one I was talking about. I, I Norton tried it once, and I he just doesn't... It doesn't click with him. Yeah, he doesn't like it, and that's fine. Anyways. So... Um, it, it, basically, we start with just three people. I think it's uh, it's Craig, Kyle, and Slim. Okay. And you're the DM. And I'm the DM. Okay. And Slim makes a pretty standard character that's actually pretty forgettable. He ended up requiring him after three sessions because he thought the character was boring. Okay. Which was a dwarf cleric. Yeah. Um, Craig makes a rogue who ends up being pretty memorable for some of the wrong reasons. Craig kind of ended up being a punching bag of the campaign. <laughs> okay. Um, Kyle made a very memorable character, though, which was a bard. He was a half-elf bard. Uh, Bards actually, are the music men, right? Yep. Okay. He might have been a full elf. Uh, this is this is a third edition campaign. Okay. Because fourth edition doesn't really work unless you have, like, four people. and Yeah. Um, and fifth wasn't out. Okay. So... Uh, he's a bard. I think he he was either an elf or a half elf. He might have been an elf. Okay. Uh, his name was uh, Grimstock Longtune. Okay. But eventually, like Craig once uh, screwed up the name and called him Longtune Fellow Job, and, <laughs> and Longtune Fellow Job stuck. <laughs> of course, as those things. That was kind of like uh, Ariola Grande. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not so, going to explain that. Longtune Fellow Job. <laughs> was a chaotic neutral bard who was extremely capricious and for his deity he just put kanye west (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on it writes itself i love it and when he when he made the character i told him it was a forgotten realms campaign and like basically the reason he did it is because i'm like deity doesn't matter for bard Uh, Mm -hmm. only clerics actually are bothered with who they worship so he just put kanye west as his (laughs) i love it and uh but as it turns out this was going to be a dimension hopping campaign oh and they were going to be moving not only to other D D settings but to other just like to universes and eventually he ends up in the in the real world like our world in our world although it's actually a crossover with call of cthulhu okay but but call of cthulhu just takes place in the real world yeah so eventually he makes a holy pilgrimage to see his god kanye west (laughs) okay and like i'm like Okay, like at first it's just a silly thing, but then suddenly you find so many people who are receptive to worshiping Kanye West as a god. And D and D rules: if enough people think someone is a god, they, become, they are a god. They become a god. And I mean, Kanye obviously thinks he's a god. He so. has a song called "I Am a God." Yeah, yes, I'm into it. That song hadn't even come out when we were doing this. <laughs> oh, really? This was before he. It came out like in the middle of the. Ca- Jesus came out like in the middle of this campaign. I love it. But so, like, yeah, okay, no. Kanye West is now a god <laughs> in this universe. I love it. Thanks to Longtune Fellow Job. Yeah, Longtune. What was the original name? 
Grimstock Longtoon. No, Longtoon Fella Jobs way better. <laughs> That's just a way better name. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Kyle would do that. I could see that happening. And I'm assuming everyone had to go along with him to see Kanye. Like, that was a, a part of a session. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That sounds great. I wish I was a part of that. Uh, all right. What's the next story? You said you'd give me options. Okay. Do you want to hear... So uh, I'll give you, uh, do, you, do you want a funny story or a more serious one? More serious. Okay, yeah, the, that can offset it. Kanye, Kanye nailed the funny part. Yeah, so uh, I unfortunately won't have time to tell you about the Carl Johnson verse. Okay, but I, I've heard of the Carl Johnson verse. That's or just okay. the Johnson verse. As yeah. a, <laughs> <laughs> um, so instead, I will tell you the story of the, the Sixth World campaign that I ran. Right. That I thought was a really good campaign. And again, Craig is going to be the focus of these because Craig tends to be pretty good at putting himself at the center of campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a character that he basically designed to be the main character of this campaign. Okay. Uh, there, uh, because Sixth World works kind of like masks where you have archetypes. Yes. And the archetype he chose was the face. So he's the he's the the leader of the party. He's the guy who who talks to like client like he's the legitimate face of their criminal enterprise. Yeah. Kind of put it right on Front Street with the name. Uh huh. Um. And his his character is uh, he's a half elf mm-hmm. who was a small time criminal who's trying to rise to the top. Okay. Uh, the game is set to take place in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadowrun takes place in uh, basically. It's a post-apocalyptic world where the apocalypse was caused by an event called the Awakening, mm-hmm. where suddenly one day, like in a snap of a finger, magics just existed. It hadn't pre. It was the real world until then. Yeah. And then suddenly, magic exists. Okay. And you have to like. Oh, sorry. No, I'm not going to ask questions yet. I'll be patient. So some people just inherently got the ability to cast magic. Magic is inherent in the system. You're either awakened or not. Okay. Okay. Um, but technology continued to march on uh, in tandem with it. So you've got a very like cyberpunk, like you can get cybernetic enhancements and such. All right. But cybernetic enhancements event erode your essence, which means which is what the magic users use. So the more robot you become, mm-hmm. you become more machine than man and yeah. you become less in tune with your your core essence. If you become essence 0, you're just a robot. Okay. So, did anyone have that happen? Uh no. Ah, damn. Okay. I mean, it's something you'd have to like intentionally choose. Yeah. You get so many cyber like it's basically like a cap on how much cybernetics you can have. You can okay. get all the way down to essence 1 though where you're mostly just robot. Okay. Which would be cool. Uh, Craig only had one side was not awakened and only had one cybernetic implant, which was basically, uh, it was, a a hood system that would be like a social overlay. Like it could read like pheromones and stuff to okay. tell how someone is reacting to him or like observe subtle facial tics to tell if they're lying. And so, so it basically just gave him bonuses to his social stuff. Okay. It was cyborg's eye. Yep. Cool. Okay. I'm into it. Um, and he runs a gang of shadow runners, which are the, it's basically a scene of underground mercenaries who will just do various odd jobs, okay. legal or otherwise. Okay. Uh, London is ruled by, uh, like rulership of the world is done by corporations. Mm-hmm. 
London is ruled by a pharmaceutical company called Allen Biosystems. All I am right from the jump, all I'm picturing right now is Repo. Like you just oh yeah, Repo is you're kind just, of an example. Okay, of you're just putting me right in Repo, and it's making it there, there's no Repo men. They're, they're, they're not doing that. But Allen Biosystems basically exerts control through the, like they control all medicine. Yeah, and they can basically fix whatever price they want for whatever medicine they want. Okay. And yeah, so the group is a disparate gang of shadow runners who have all come into the lifestyle for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Craig wants to rise to power. AJ's playing a, a uh, hacker who used to work as a programmer for uh, okay. Allen Biosystems, but uh, his wife died of a disease called awakened sclerosis. Okay, which I which I made up for the campaign. Yeah, like it was incurable. His wife died. His daughter is sick with it. Allen Biosystems doesn't pay him enough on his wages to to take care of her, so he got into shadow running. Okay, started committing assassinations. Mm-hmm. And they they go about doing a bunch of like criminal activities mm-hmm. uh, for various people. Sometimes they work for Allen Biosystems. Sometimes they work against them. They make enemies of a group of evil druids called the Blights, who are basically eco terrorists. Okay. Uh, religion is run by is druids, by the way. Okay, yeah, of course, yeah. So the dru the the druid church is like the primary religious power in England. I love it. Um, and they're all wizards. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, we wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, <laughs> uh, another uh, interesting character uh, was this guy Ed, who I don't think you've met. Um, mm-hmm. He was play- He was the party's mage. He was a troll dildomancer. <laughs> uh, because what mages have uh, what are called totems or yeah. focuses. Yeah. And basically they can they can store spells into it. It's like having a wand or something, but it's like one a single use thing. Yeah. And it can be any item. And uh, they're fetishes, that's what they're called. Okay. And he decided that his fetishes were actually from a fetish store. <laughs> and it was a dildo. <laughs> Oh my so God. he would like pull out a dildo and cast a lightning bolt from it. I love it. That's ridiculous, but I love it. The weirdest Harry Potter wand ever. <laughs> and he was a he was a troll, so he was a big, scary looking dude. Yeah. Uh, he had an NPC that ended up getting an ele- elevated to like being just a common reoccurring person, mm-hmm. who was uh, an orc named Delilah. <laughs> I'm assuming someone said, "Hey there, Delilah!" Like every yeah. five minutes. You have to at that point. It's just baiting it. Um, but yeah, so throughout their missions, they're like, they're doing these underground missions. They're getting contacts. So they like with the Druids, with an Allen biosystems. Eventually they run into another, uh, oh, the, the name of the, uh, their shadow running group is the Mauve Avengers. <laughs> nice. Like the color mauve or, yep. or mauve or whatever. M-A-U-V-E. Yep. Okay. I love it. The Mauve love Avengers. It. I love it. <laughs> so the Mauve Avengers, they, they eventually run into another group of shadow runners called, uh, Squad Nine. Okay. Which is uh, an all-female group of Shadowrunners that they end up kind of becoming frenemies with. Okay. Um, Craig basically uh, has, like, a love-hate relationship with their leader, Queen Mab. Okay. And uh, they are... And eventually it gets, like... They they do this whole allied mission where they uh, have to, like, both go to New York in order to... um, I can't quite remember what the goal was in New York. Jake is playing a, an assassin named Trick. Love it. Who can go invisible because of cybernetics. Okay. And he just, he spends the first part of his introduction to the campaign just fucking with the party. 
Damn, that would have been like my well, being invisible. Danny DeFanto. All right, all right, continue. Um, but eventually they accept Trick into the party, even though they don't like him. Mm-hmm. Because what else can they do? It ends up causing like some heated arguments. But so eventually it gets to the point where they find out they get some secret files from Allen Biosystems, mm-hmm. uh, where they learn about a project called the Rats of London, and they track it to a, a lab in London. Okay. Uh, during the mission, it, like uh, the the other group, Squad Nine, uh, Queen Mab, uh, the hacker of the group is Queen Mab's sister, who is called Ice Queen, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, and they never actually meet Ice Queen in person. It's all because hacking is very much like the Matrix, where you plug into a computer and you go into the computer world. Okay. So they only ever met her avatar in the in the uh, in the computer world, which is called the matrix yeah it's the matrix you don't get, you, you don't gotta cover it up we know what it is um so and the, there was a friendship between her and uh aj's character um eventually though it comes down that uh they meet the ceo of allen biosystems wants to meet the mob avengers mm-hmm. invites them to a dinner mm-hmm. so they meet sir thomas allen okay <laughs> okay uh, who makes them an offer that he's going to give them one million new yen, which is the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's going to give them a million, and um, he'll also give them access to an advanced research cure for uh, awakened sclerosis that hasn't hit the market yet. He'll just give that to them. Okay. Which obviously AJ is uh, all about. Yep, and he'll also offer them a job in corporate security, so that they'll be taken care of afterwards. But they, there are two stipulations: they have to sign a contract that they will never, uh, even if they, even if they don't take the job mm-hmm. with Allen Biosystems, they have to sign a contract saying that in their duties of shadow running, they will never take a contract against Allen Biosystems. Okay, that they'll drop any invest private investigation into the Rats of London. Okay, and. Uh, in order to ensure that no one who is in the know about the Rats of London breaks the contract, they have to kill Squad Nine. Oof! Which at this point has been what, like your crew, crew? They they've been yeah they've they've been on and off again. Sometimes they've worked against each other. Sometimes they've worked with each other. They have their disagreements, but they've also kind of become allies. Mm-hmm. So the final session of that campaign. They all agree that the deal is too good to pass up on, so they decide to make a surprise attack on Squad 9. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is they have to fight them in an abandoned hospital. Okay. Uh, what they don't know is that Squad 9 was also offered the same deal. So whoever wins gets the deal. So both of them, yeah, both of them were set against each other to fight out. Both sides accepted the deal. Uh. And it, the whole session is just like a giant dragged out bloody fight throughout the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um... Some of the players almost die, but they they manage to uh, kill all of uh, Squad Nine except for the uh, two queens. Okay, because they never run into Ice Queen, and Queen Mab has basically just been in a control room shouting orders. Okay, uh, like she's been in the PA room shouting orders. Yeah, uh, Craig gets to the point where he confronts her in the control room. Um, it, there, there is a sad. It turns out that Ice Queen was actually bedridden with awakened sclerosis herself. That was their entire reason for. Uh, so she needed that. That. Yep, uh, and that's why they'd never seen her in person because she can she can act freely through the Matrix, but she can't move at all. Yeah. Uh, in real life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there's a sad scene where they have to pull the plug on her. Oh, yeah, because you have to kill everyone, I guess. Yep. Yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but then, like, the most emotional weighty scene that... that so, finally, Craig makes it into the room with... Uh, with with Mab. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you got me. Yeah. Finish it. Craig pulls out his gun, holds it to her head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like that scene at the end of Watchmen where she's like, do it! Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's Rorschachin' him? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, And then you hear a single gunshot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, he's like, okay, you're not doing it. She starts to reach for her gun. And then, like, from the outside, you hear a single gunshot ring out. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the room, and Trick decloaks, <laughs> and has shot Mab in the head. And, and Craig didn't get to do anything. That's awesome. And Craig's just like, well, I have no reason to live anymore. And he just rides off into the sunset. Oh, jeez. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's invisibility at, at its best. So like, the, the whole team survived. The whole team got the deal. And but no one feels good about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeesh. That's awesome. That's the kind of... Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's the kind of stuff where it's you just... You, you're never going to forget. It's like reading a book. Like, mm-hmm. in your mind, I'm sure. It's just like reading a book. Oh, we'll get there. One of these days, I'll be in one of these sessions. Yep, like... Craig's character goes through a whole arc where he realizes that sacrificing others for the pursuit of power just is a hollow victory in the yeah. end. And uh, that's just kind of where it's left. Yeah, they all get a million dollars. They all do different things. We we like canonically know what happens to them and what mm-hmm. they do with the million dollars. The Dildo Mancer goes off to form his own group, yeah. uh, which is one of the most famous shadow running groups in the world. Mm-hmm. He honors the contract, though, and never goes against Island Biosystems again. There you go. Jesus. All right. Well, poof. Okay. So that wraps up a lengthy discussion about D&D. I only have one last question. Okay. Just explain to me the powers and the setup of Gunshaver. Gunhaver. Okay. Gunhaver. <laughs> Gunhaver. So he was in our mask campaign. He was the first villain that we, we uh, encountered. Okay. He was a villain. Okay. I didn't yep. know that. I thought he was one of your guys' characters. Okay. 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 Uh, so um, his whole... So the way he came about is that um, we were asking his his name isn't actually Gunhaver. Ah, oh, damn it! I thought that was his real name. That's, That's his power. It's such a good name. No, his uh, is um, his name was Batman. Okay, of course, yes. A, Stretch the A. Uh, he um, was a small time criminal, and we were trying to ask what like what are his powers, and like he has a gun, <laughs> and I'm like, well. <laughs> what kind of power is that yeah, we all can have guns uh and as it turns out because of that craig decides to roll in it his power is that he always has a gun <laughs> like, if you disarm him he'll just have a gun anyway <laughs> okay i love that he'll, he just no matter what he's always got a gun somewhere on his person uh it's kind of like squirrel girl's power how she's just unbeatable off panel yeah he just always has a gun oh that's a good power that's the kind that's what makes it fun creativity dj the spice of life something i'm not very good at but i'm learning i mean that's just a thing that new play as i i said this to you in uh in chat but to say it on here um 
People, when they get into tabletop, tend to filter it through whatever frame of reference they're used to. Yeah. In your case, it was probably video games. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, is that when someone's like, what do you do? They're like, well, what, what can I do? Yeah. And the idea is, that, like, if it were a video game, even if it's a very open-ended one, there's a certain list of things that you can do yeah. to interact with the world. And the game can only be so reactive to what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mindset that, if you're coming at it from a video game standpoint, can be hard to leave behind. Well, it's like in Grand Theft Auto. You get out the car and you shoot that quest person in the face and they don't die. It's like, oh, so you can't do that. Right, and, yeah. but in, in D&D, you absolutely can be like, I attack the quest person. There might be consequences to it, oh, but yeah. like a good DM, there should be an opportunity to be able to kill that guy. It may be a very bad idea. Yeah, yeah, you could pay the ultimate price with it, but whatever. All right, all right, Deej, that wraps up. You got any final thoughts on D&D? Oh, this was good. Yeah. I'm sad I don't get to tell you about the Johnsonverse. We'll Maybe get another there. Time. Many, many more casts to go, but all right. Otherwise, this has been Man the Machine. I'm Kevin. I'm DJ. Thanks for listening. And as you can see, over here we have the Man of the Machine.